This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly Dyke Andrew. We are two moms currently down in the trenches of parenthood. We want to create a community of support and encouragement as we set out to find the answers to the parenting questions that everyone is asking. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. On this episode of Parenting for the Everyday, we have the privilege of having Jonathan Holmes, the executive uh, director of Fieldstone Counseling, with us to talk to us about anxiety with kids, such a hot topic, and uh, I think a very complicated and complex topic. And so we're so grateful that you're giving your your time to talk with us and kind of break it down into uh, ways that we can understand and equip our kids. Will you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's really a pleasure and an honor. Uh, Like you guys said, my name is Jonathan Holmes, and I get to serve as the Executive Director of Fieldstone Counseling. Uh, We're based here in Northeast Ohio, uh, but we provide counseling uh, both here locally and then across the country and across the globe. Uh, Previously, I served on pastoral uh, staff at Parkside Church for 15 years. Um, I have four children, four girls, uh, ranging in ages from 14 to 8, so Love being a girl dad, love uh, being a, a parent to, to kids and talking about anxiety and talking about feelings. So that's, uh, I get to do it in my professional world and I get to do it a lot uh, at home too. So it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, you're also, which I didn't mention in the beginning, but a published author, uh, just talking about different uh, types, not just anxiety, but a whole different range of, I don't even know how to, Issues. like, Yes, issues. Is that the right word to use? Like, how do you like whole different ways and how to process them and navigate them healthy as a family? Um, So again, we just want to dive in. Uh, Something basic to start with is, can you tell us what even is anxiety? Like, how would you define it? And why is it important that we're talking about this? Right. It's a it's a good question. The other day I was listening to another podcast and people were saying, what what is the difference between fears and worries and anxieties? And I'd say the simplest way that I typically talk to kids and parents about it is I say, we typically have worried thoughts that produce anxious feelings that leads to stress in our bodies. So if we kind of think about a little progression, typically it starts off as just generalized worries, thoughts that we might be thinking in our mind. Uh, We think about those thoughts more and more. We turn them over in our mind. And before you know it, those thoughts lead to feelings, really strong feelings of anxiety, uh, maybe a heightened vigilance. Uh, Over time, when we live with that heightened feeling of anxiety, it can produce stress in our bodies. And we can feel stressed, overwhelmed, irritable, et cetera. So a lot of times for parents, when I'm talking to them about trying to differentiate between fears, worries, anxiety, stress. I just try to help them maybe work their way a little bit backwards of, okay, you're seeming really stressed out right now. What are some things that you're feeling? Okay, what are some of the thoughts that you might be thinking? Uh, But that's just a helpful way to maybe differentiate between those words. Other people kind of use them uh, synonymously. So worries, fears, anxiety, stress might all be the same thing. So uh, if you're using them synonymously, that's fine. That's just a helpful way uh, for me at least to kind of parse each of them apart a little bit. I really like that definition because I do think that you have just general worries in every day and then anxiety can kind of become something different. And so in that process, when you say you have everyday worries that progress to anxiety and then stress in your body, is there a place where that becomes more unhealthy or a place where it becomes more um, 
Yeah, obvious that you would yeah. say, hey, all of a sudden, this is not a typical behavior. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, like you guys are absolutely right. A lot of times you might have worries. They might last a couple of hours or maybe even a day. In terms of a clinical diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder, you would be having those anxious feelings for at least six months. So as a parent, if you were thinking about, okay, is this reaching a level to where it's not just everyday worries, but there's something serious going on, you're looking for something that is more chronic in its nature, something that's going on for a long period of time, something that your child or your teen's not just able to, quote, get over uh, or to get through. Um, So if it's just like an everyday uh, feeling or worry, or maybe they're having a bad day or they had a hard test at school or a difficult friendship, that I think typically is a little bit different, something that parents oftentimes are able to manage and work through on their own. But if it's going for, you know, five to six months and it's getting worse, a lot of times that's maybe at least a little bit of a yellow flag of, hey, let's, let's reach out and get help and tag somebody else in. Okay. So I think that's huge to yeah. make. A, okay. We're going to talk about not everyone is going to have a clinical anxiety, but at some point there's probably going to be situations where your kids are going to have these feelings. And so how do you help guide them through that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, is there a genetic component to anxiety? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great question. When I saw when I saw that question, it really it made me think a little bit. I don't know for sure. I haven't read all the different scientific research on, on the genetics of anxiety, but I, I would say this. I definitely think that family of origin and how you grew up can definitely impact your experience of anxiety. So uh, let's say, for instance, you grew up in a home that... Um, where there was just a lot of mental health issues, or maybe there were a lot of uh, a lot of difficulties, maybe financially, or there was family dysfunction, and you were just you grew up very on edge, and maybe transferred in some of those behaviors into your present day family and relationship. Uh, definitely, that's going to impact how you raise and how you parent. You know, if you have a high achievement, high performance, uh, high demand uh, type of home that you grew up in, that might carry over into how. Uh, you parent or how you raise your kids now. So I think family of origin always is impactful. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there were some type of pre, uh, some type of genetic predisposition uh, towards anxiety. Um, and in some ways, I would say just because of sin and brokenness in our world, we know in some ways, yeah, in yeah, anxiety is going to be genetic in the sense of we live in a fallen world where bad things happen and we're people that are on edge, that are fearful and that are anxious, which is why God tells us more than any other command in the Bible to not be afraid because he's with us. So I think in some ways God just assumes like, yeah, pretty much everybody in life is going to struggle with this at some point. Now, we're talking, I want to ask a question about if you have a kid and they're having a situation that they are feeling anxiety. So maybe this isn't a clinical situation, um, just an everyday, something's happening at school and they've brought this home and they've been carrying it for a couple of days. Um, what is the, a, a healthy response to anxiety? You're saying, Hey, we all go through it. What should we expect as a healthy way to process it? And then obviously we've talked about if it goes on for six months, it's definitely, you know, an unhealthy and needs some treatment, but what other signs or other responses would be would we consider it to be unhealthy? Right. You know, I mean, some of the signs that we might be looking for that would kind of be yellow flags or be some caution lights for us is when we begin to see the behaviors impede 
everyday routines and everyday responsibilities. Uh, like let's say on a Sunday morning, like they no longer want to go into their Sunday school class or they only want to go into church service with you or uh, going over to a friend's house, which they normally would have previously loved doing, they no longer want to do. Or an heightened sense of anxiety about certain tests or academic benchmarks uh, that they're supposed to be, right? When there are normal things that at least previously had not been issues for them, if suddenly out of nowhere, they seem to be having fears or anxieties or struggles with that, that'd be, again, that would give me pause to begin to investigate to say, hey, what's what's going on here? Uh, oftentimes, I do think anxiety can kind of sit below the surface and can present as other types of behaviors, things like anger, frustration, irritability, uh, fatigue, withdrawal, saying I'm overwhelmed, defiance, those sorts of things. And that's where a lot of times, like, especially with kids, I'll just use like a simple illustration of an iceberg. And I'll say, hey, at the tip of the iceberg, this is what mom and dad are seeing right now. Could you help us just maybe fill in a little bit below the surface? Like, what are some things that you're going through or that you're feeling? And again, that's depending on the development or the age of your child. That might look different. You might be writing things down for them, or they might be able to write things down. Um, but anxiety, I think time, a lot of times can get masked as other emotions and behaviors for sure. So how can you like tell the difference? I mean, obviously maybe an older kid, you could have some of those conversations, but what happens when you have a younger child who's not able to articulate, I'm angry because I'm feeling anxious about this situation. Right, right. That's where, again, you might be having to do a little bit of coaching and actually providing uh, some of those different words. And again, you might not use the word anxiety, but you might say, uh, like, does this make you feel scared? Or does this make you not want to leave your room? Or does this make you feel like you just kind of want to hold on to mom and dad right now? So using uh, developmentally appropriate language with them to help them convey what's going on. Now, the benefit is, I think the earlier that you can do this with young kids, really giving them a language set for emotions, I really think is a positive thing. And in so many ways, really ties us back to the Psalms, which are really this invitation from the Lord to say, hey, what is on your heart? Tell me what you are feeling. And in so many ways, then parents, I think, get to embody that invitation to our children to say, hey, what is on your heart? What's going on right now? And uh, I use a lot of emotion wheels in counseling, so I'll print off an emotion wheel. Uh, you can Google that, you know, kids' emotion wheels. And uh, again, a lot of times they might have trouble pinning out the words, but when they see it, they can identify with it. Um, or we've probably all seen those charts that have different faces and then different descriptions underneath it. You know, you can print off one of those. And again, sometimes in some of those moments, even a little bit of humor and levity can help uh, in a process to say, hey, uh, let's do a little project together. Like mom and dad, we're going to do one of these and then we want you to do it too. We're going to circle three faces that kind of describe the kind of day that we had. And I want you to circle two or three of the faces that describe the kind of day that you had. So again, anytime we can do it together and not just make our child do it, I think that builds uh, safety, connection, and camaraderie with our children to help really draw them out so that we can understand what's going on in their heart. Yeah, you talked about um, at different times tagging someone in and knowing when to tag that person in. Can you also give us some practical ways to help a kid with anxiety at different developmental levels? So say a kid from the ages of two to five, what would be a practical thing that a parent can be doing? And then a little bit older and a little bit older. I would say ages two to five. And again, I'm not a licensed professional counselor, but I would say Uh, At least at that age, especially at a really young age, I'd say physical touch is going to be a really key component. So when we think about attachment dynamics and we think about what's called emotional regulation, 
Uh, when a child who's two to five, who maybe doesn't have a lot of language, is feeling anxious, they might be crying, they might be irritable. Physical touch is huge. So giving them a, a, a hug or saying, hey, let's sit on the couch together and sit under a nice warm blanket or uh, something that helps communicate to the child that they are seen, that they're safe and secure, and that you are with them. Um, after that, like let's say you know it's lower elementary to middle elementary, that's where I think more conversational tools can happen, where you can have a conversation with them, or maybe even you read a small book. Uh, so there's a lot of different book recommendations that we can provide in the show notes, where you might tell them a story or read a story and then ask them questions based off of that to say, hey, what was similar about Bobby's experience in this book that also seems similar to what you're going through? Um, then obviously, as your teens are a little bit older in their early teens and later teens, they're actually typically more difficult to connect and talk to because, you know, they're on their phones or with their friends. They might even feel more insecure about talking about their feelings. So then you need a little bit of a different approach. And that, you know, parents, I think, sometimes have to be a little bit more creative in how they connect with their teens and preteens, especially on mental health-related issues. Um, here, let me ask you this. Uh, how do you know when... Um to push a child. So you want them to feel secure and you want them to feel safe, but sometimes you might have someone who is just nervous about a new situation and you have to kind of coax them to say, hey, we're going to try something new. You're going to be uncomfortable, but I want you to, to realize at the end of this that you can do it versus just never letting them try something new and then kind of uh, crippling them for those experiences later in life. Yes. Yes, absolutely. One of the one of the things I think that has to happen before you even ask that question is that parents need to be willing and honest to take a look at their own hearts about how their child's anxiety dysregulates them. So let me give you a for instance. A mom is having trouble getting her son to go into their church classroom. And the child's like pitching a fit. He's throwing a little bit of a tantrum. And the, the mom's like, listen, if you don't do this, no video games, no Nintendo for the rest of the week. And she's saying that more because she's actually embarrassed. She's feeling shame. She's feeling dysregulated. She's feeling like she's a horrible mom, all these other moms. And so what it leads to is a disconnection, not a connection with her child. So her child feels disconnected because mom's angry, mom's irritated. I'm not doing what mom wants. And instead of a connecting relationship, there's a disconnection and there's not that emotional regulation that takes place. I actually find that that happens a lot, that a lot of the behavioral issues then that our kids are engaged in, uh, yeah, there's definitely things that they can address and that we can kind of gently push them towards. But a lot of times it's actually stuff that we need to do business with the Lord before the Lord in our own hearts. So let's say you've done that and you know you are trying to calmly encourage, coax your child in. Uh, that's where I would say have as much of the conversation before some of those moments out of the anxiety, out of the high anxiety moments. So if you're trying to like disciple or mentor your child in moments like right before they're supposed to get on the bus or right before they're about to take the test, it's just going to be more difficult. Physically, their parasympathetic nervous system and their sympathetic nervous system are just running, you know, at 100 miles an hour. So their ability to take in truth, their ability to receive connection from you, it's just going to be really, really limited because they're feeling overwhelmed. So try to have some of those conversations in non-anxious moments. Try to find spaces like right before bedtime where things are calming down in the home, uh, where there's not as much felt pressure, right? So if your child has sports performance anxiety and they're about to head into a really big basketball game for their youth league, you know, having a conversation about anxiety like five minutes before they, you know, suit up and go on to the court, that's just probably not going to happen. But maybe it happens two days beforehand 
where the mom and dad are saying like, hey, like, let's let's think out loud. Like, what are some things that you are nervous about with this basketball game coming up in a few days? So trying to have some of those conversations outside and then trying, like you said, to at when it's appropriate to coax, to push them into some of these moments where they might feel more anxious. And so again, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. One of my favorites is the what if, even if um, game. So say, okay, what are all of the different things that you're scared about or anxious about could happen? And they'll say, okay, what if those things happen? And then even if those things happen, what do we know is true about the Lord? So, okay, what if, you know, I fail this test? this really big test in third grade, you know, the math test. Okay, even if you fail that math test, you know what? Like mom and dad still love you. Like we love you regardless of what grade you get. Do we want you to get great grades? Like absolutely, like we think that's important. But even if that doesn't happen, we're going we're still going to love you and be there for you. And you know what? We're going to try again. We're going to sit down, work a little bit harder on the homework, maybe talk to your teacher and get help. So that's you know a really simple practical tool that you can use conversationally with your kids. Yeah, that is such a great tool. Um, that whole little bit just remind me of a couple different questions that I have because I do think that it is important to push your kids at different times when it is appropriate just because there's that importance of building that resilience and that you can do hard yes. things and building that confidence that comes with that. But also, at what point, like if there's a situation – where maybe mom is regulated, but a consequence still needs to happen and a discipline needs to happen with a highly anxious kid, how do you go about that? And and when and what would that look like in a sensitive way? Yes. Yeah. That's a great question. Again, discipline, uh, when we think about it, a lot of times, especially our kids typically think of discipline as something bad. We all know that discipleship, disciple, discipline, they all come from the same root word. So discipline is really just an outgrowth of the discipleship of our children. So helping our children see hey, this discipline or this consequence, it's not punitive, it's not a punishment, but this is what God's given to mom and dad to help you become all that God has designed and created you to be. So one of the things is, is for, I would say, a vast majority of the times, anxiety typically lives in the realm more of human weakness and inability rather than just outright sin. Meaning that when people are anxious and scared, uh, it's not like they're willfully sinning, like they're hitting somebody or hurting somebody. It's just, it's a part of the fallenness and brokenness of our world, that we are human beings who live in a dangerous world and things make us afraid. So I would want to make sure that my discipline is in keeping with and is commensurate then with the offense, right? So just like if young Bobby like punches his sister and like steals a toy, the discipline and consequence is going to look one way. But if Bobby is really nervous and scared, and doesn't do something that you've asked him to do, yeah, there still might need to be a consequence because maybe this is the third or fourth time that you've talked about this, but the severity of that consequence and the way that that consequence gets dealt out might look a little bit different than how it would be if it was just blatant, high-handed sin. So does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thank you for that. We've talked a little bit um, about some truths, some biblical truths, and how they kind of filter the way that we see this. Let's dive into that a little bit deeper and just like, what does the Bible or God even say about our mental health? Does he care about it? How do we, how does it play a, a factor in our faith? And how do we then lead our children in the same way? Yeah, it's, you know, I would say for, for parents, uh, our faith means everything to us in terms of how we think about our mental health. Uh, like we said earlier about the Psalms, the Psalms are proof positive 
that the Lord wants to know what's on our hearts. He wants to know what's painful, what hurts, what makes you afraid, who's doing your harm, in what places do you feel danger, where is it hard to sleep, where have you experienced loss? The Psalms are uh, proof positive that God cares, and not only that God cares, but that he sees. So I would say what I normally tell parents is, parents, you have the wonderful opportunity to present and embody the presence of the Lord to your children in these moments. You're like God's boots on the ground to your child to help communicate, hey, God loves me, he sees me, and he knows me. Uh, One of my favorite verses with anxiety in children is Psalm 56, 9. In Psalm 56, 9, the first half of the psalm says, you know, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, Psalm 56, 3. And then in Psalm 56, 9, it says, this I know that the Lord is for me. And just a simple verse like that that can be memorized, that can be repeated, and then lived out, right? So I have prayed that verse with my kids during thunderstorms, during moments of anxiety. I'll say, hey, let's just remind ourselves, the Lord is for you. And I'll put my child's name in that to personalize that and to really drive it home. Now, again, the cognitive ability for a five-year-old or a six-year-old for that to do something in the moment, okay, it may or may not do anything at that moment, but the repetition and the consistent reminder of God's presence to us in the midst of anxiety, that is that is something that's going to bear fruit later on in life for sure. This is a bit of a question, a tangent question, but can someone with anxiety ever fully recover from having anxiety or anxious thoughts? Or do they just learn how to manage it as they get older? Yeah, yeah. I would say, depending on, like, again, if the level of their anxious thoughts was at a clinical, like, diagnostic level type uh, issue, yeah, some people might deal with that for a long period in their life. People who uh, deal with certain uh, thought patterns, anxious thought patterns associated with OCD or with religious scrupulosity, that might just be a, a lifelong weakness or struggle that they have. Other people, especially children, teens, maybe it's just for a certain period of time. I would say the the idea of a management of it, um, another way to look around it or another way to look at it or approach it with kids is instead of trying to manage it or get over it, how do I get through it with the Lord's help? And so instead of this idea of, hey, anxiety is something I need to get rid of and have out of my life, and then discouragement sets in when it comes up again, hey, we're all going to experience anxiety and fears at every point in our life. And this is where I think parents a way that we can build connection with our children is being honest about our own anxieties so that our children know that it's okay to struggle to simply say, hey, not so much how do I manage and get over it, but how do I get through it with the promises of the Lord? And how do the promises of the Lord, a God who draws near to me, who sees me, who knows me and loves me, how can he come to the forefront of this situation in the present and, and help me get through it and move through it? Um, I think that that's a helpful way for children, you know, as they get a little bit older to uh, understand their struggle with it. Yeah. Is that even something as simple as just sharing like, hey, I had a really hard day at work, but I know God is for me and this is how I'm processing those feelings. Like, is that what you're talking about as a practical, like you're at the dinner table, this is a struggle for me? Yeah. I, you know, vulnerability is something that I think builds connection when we can be vulnerable. And again, thoughtfully vulnerable. I'm not saying that parents need to expose every fear, anxiety, worry that they've ever had to their child. That might actually raise them, you know, raise up more anxieties for them. But I would want to push parents more towards vulnerability than not, because I find most parents just aren't comfortable expressing that. Uh, but for you know a mom to say, hey, you know what, I, I think I kind of know what that feels like. I remember when I was your age and 
I had a similar situation or, you know, even at my age, I have a similar situation like that. And being careful not to just imprint your feelings directly on them as if it's a one-to-one correlation, but at least to help say, hey, I think I know to some degree what you're going through. And then hopefully you build a bridge over. But you know what? Even more than me, I know that there's someone who does know what you're going through. And he's even a a better listener, a better question asker, a better caregiver than even me. And that is Jesus. And that's why even if I'm not with you, you always can go to the Lord with these things. And uh, he wants to know what's on your heart. So I think that's such a beautiful illustration because I do feel like we are in a world where anxiety is all around us, whether it is in the social media that we watch or the news that we're seeing. And so it's very easy as an adult and as a parent to be consumed with the worries of what will happen in the future and what has already happened. Um, And so I know that our kids can also feel that. So I just love your call to the accountability of the parent to be consciously and purposefully casting those anxieties onto the Lord and sharing that with their children because our kids are seeing that too as they grow up in this world where things are very much at their fingertips and they can see the worries everywhere. Yes. Yes. And I think about, you know, Jesus's words in John 16, 33, he says, in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And, And there's a realism and there's a sanity that our faith brings to the difficulties in anxieties of this world, that's actually, I think, more helpful to our children than uh, to completely ignore those things or to have our heads in the sand and like, everybody's good, everything should be going well, and that we're surprised the bad things happen. Well, no, actually, Scripture's very honest. No, in this world, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have anxieties. You're going to have things that don't go your way. You're going to have people who are against you. You're going to have people who let you down. You're going to have things that are going to be difficult and hard. But friend, take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And if you place your faith and trust in that Jesus, you too are an overcomer. And again, in in moments of anxiety, it's little truths like that that I want kids to be able to hang their hats on. Yeah. I mean, in talking about um, just the different things that have happened that go on in the world, I mean, there's like school shootings and the pandemic that just happened and there's wars overseas and it just, it feels like a lot that even adults are having to process and to walk through. And so what is like any advice? I know we talked about like being vulnerable, but also being wise as to what we share with our children and what we, um, kind of let them see where we're struggling. Could you give us like a little bit more clarity and wisdom in that area? Yeah, I'd say here's one idea that parents can do. And that is, I always say, turn the tables on your kid. So ask your kid, say, hey, what have you heard about such and such? So fill in the blank. And what that does is that helps you take the temperature of the level of content and knowledge that they have. So uh, like, let's take Nashville, for instance, right? So you might go in and say, hey, what do you think about the school shootings in Nashville and school safety and gun control? And you know, your nine-year-old might be like, I don't, I don't even know. I didn't even know that happened. Right. And and so then the conversation might actually incite more worries, fears, and anxiety. So, you know, like with my children, a question I've asked is, Hey, what, what, what are people talking about at school right now? What are some of the things or questions that you have about this? Uh, What have some of the conversations with your friends look like? And then that gives me a little bit of a temperature or a gauge of how I can then engage and talk to them. Um, Let's say, you know, a lot of times you'll ask kids questions and the uh, the response that we get back from our kids is, well, I don't know. 
I don't know. And, you know, kind of a shrug the shoulders and indifference. That's common. One of the things I like to do uh, with kids when they say this, I'll say, hey, well, if you did know, just take a guess. Like, what do you think you would say? And it's a little bit of like a, a reverse psychology trick. And I'd say, you know, it doesn't always work. But a lot of the times kids will actually give you an answer um, to that question of, hey, if you did know and you could have a response what do you think it would be? So that's another way. If you need a little bit of resistance in your conversation to just kind of turn it back on them and just press a little bit harder. Can I piggyback on that question just and say, is there, um, is it likely, or is this common where parents almost pass on their fears to their children where like, you know, the nine-year-old didn't know that there was a school shooting and now all of a sudden, you know, a parent is afraid to let their kids go to school. So now their kid is afraid to go to school. Like, is that something that's common? Yes. 100% anxiety is contagious, right? We know that, right? Like that's why we have laws in the theater about you can't yell fire in a theater because that can start a huge craze. One person says something before you know, everybody's nervous. Um, And so that's where, again, a lot of the conversation about kids and anxiety, I think ultimately comes back to parents. How do you handle anxiety? How do you handle fears and worries? And sometimes we actually are looking to our children to regulate not their emotions, but our own emotions, right? We actually are, uh, and there's a term for that in, in, in more formal counseling, but we're actually looking for our child to do something that we really should be providing uh, for them. And so I think you're 100% right. A lot of times we are transferring, we're kind of bleeding over. I kind of describe anxiety as a sponge and we kind of leave like wet spots everywhere we go because, you know, it's just bleeding out of us. And again, uh, the, the same thing that we're telling our child, then we have to speak to our own heart. We have to bring those things before the Lord. So. I think sometimes that can even be in the labeling of anxiety. I think that that word has become so popular, um, especially in this day and age. And I don't think that that's always a negative thing, but I think it can be a negative thing if it's overused or if mommy's always anxious or or anything like that, because then your child really grows up feeling like everyday worries are this anxiety clinical diagnostic thing that they're suffering from. Even if your child hears you say like, oh, they're an anxious child. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I think, again, simple things like an emotion wheel can be really helpful because, again, uh, instead of anxiety, maybe there are these other families of words that come into play. Like, man, I feel really overwhelmed or I just feel like I don't measure up to other people or I'm just nervous about what other people think about me or I just feel really tired right now, or I'm nervous, or uh, I just feel really on edge. I mean, there's just so many other words that might be a little bit more accurate and a little bit more descriptive. And again, uh, we can model that for our children then and how we talk, and then we can use simple tools like that uh, to help you know, kind of pull out from our child other ways of describing how he or she might be feeling. If you, uh, just kind of in wrapping up, if you could give one kind of, if you want parents to hear one thing from our time together, what one takeaway do you want to make sure that parents are leaving with? My number one takeaway is parents, embrace your God-given responsibility to embody the non-anxious presence of a God who draws near to us in our anxieties. So instead of leaving our child uh, with their anxieties or fears, uh, without connection, without comfort, without conversation, that doesn't model the way of the Lord. The Lord says, come to me, come to me, all who are are weary and heavily laden. Cast your cares and your burdens on me. Uh, Parents, you are God's representatives before your child to embody that non-anxious physical presence. And it's it's such a a wonderful and a high calling uh, that we get as parents. And I think that children will 
ultimately respond to that type of uh, care and that type of comfort and that type of conversation. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here today and just taking the time and the wisdom that you shared with us. I have taken so much from this time with you. I do want to let our listeners know that you are coming to CCC June 8th from 7 to 9. So make sure you are on the lookout for those announcements and for that advertisement with CCC, whether on our website or at church. Yes, we are so grateful. This has been so helpful for me personally and my own family. And I I just um, am so thankful for what our listeners will get out of it. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. And this has been Parenting for the Everyday. Tune in next time.